listening to The Currency. I'm your host, Mike Gaston, and I'm thrilled to have you along today. I have a very special guest. Now, I say that because all my guests are special, but today I have Maureen Balatori with me, and she has been a friend for many years, and I've watched her go through her entrepreneurial journey. And it's just been so exciting to see the success and the determination and the stamina and and Maureen's intelligence as she's approached this. So I'm thrilled to have her along because I think she's got a lot to offer and I'm excited to hear Maureen's story. Maureen, welcome to The Currency. Thank you so much, Mike. It's great to be here. I'm thrilled that you were able to take the time and join us today. So take a minute and just tell us a little bit about who you are and a little bit about your Business 29 Design Studio. Sure. So um, I went to Nazareth College for graphic design and I graduated in 2008 when no one anywhere was hiring graphic designers. (laughs) That's right. um, Especially in marketing agencies, which was what, you know, that was my dream is what I always wanted to do was work in an agency um, and secretly work for myself. But, you know, when you're a graduate, you can't really admit that to yourself because it's scary. So, um, I spent 10 years working in-house in professional services. I started in banking and then I was in publishing and then I spent five years in legal. Um, and what that time taught me was how to learn strategy and marketing as they apply to my hard design skill. Mm -hmm. Um, and with that, I was able to take all of that learning and start 29 design studio. So that's uh, now. When did we meet? Because I want I want to say it was not long after you graduated college. I think. I think so. Yeah. I I think I at that time was definitely um, at a stage where I was following a lot of agency people, and at the time you had I think recently purchased Bob Wright, or you know you were still very involved there at the very least. Um, and so we connected on LinkedIn, or I invited you to connect, and you said I don't connect with people on LinkedIn that I don't know in person. <laughs> yeah, that, that was my old, uh, what a jerk I was back in the day. No. I think some would argue I'm still a jerk. But yeah, I, I did have a rule back in the day that um, I treated LinkedIn as a face-to-face. I wanted to know people that were in my network. I've changed since then, but yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's what, so we had, we met for coffee and that, you know, that was, it had to have been it definitely was after I graduated. So it had to have been around seven or eight years ago that we had coffee sure, for the first time. Sure. And then I think we didn't talk for a while. And then um, I reached out to you when I was looking forward, when I was really seriously considering starting 29 Design Studio full time and changing it from my side hustle to my full time gig. Yeah. And was looking for some guidance on how to do that. And so uh, we reconnected then and have been closely connected since then. Yeah. No, it's been great. That's that's great. And I um, I remember our first meeting. I, I remember being impressed with how uh, sharp you were and also how motivated you were. You were not afraid... I mean, you know, some people, it's like if the, if there's a camera, they want to throw themselves right in front of the camera. It's like they just want the attention. You weren't that way at all. You were just very focused and determined. I thought there's a lot of drive there, which is uh, I really respected. And I think, yeah, I, I probably acquired Bob Wright in like 2003 or 2004. Okay. And so I'd had it for a while. but um, And then when you reached back out to me, I had just wrapped up. I just wound the company down. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So tell us a little bit about the process of going from having 29 design studio as a side hustle to making it a full-time gig. I think that's a really intimidating 
step or process, mm-hmm. I should say, for a lot of folks. They want to be in business for themselves, but it's like making that leap from part-time to making it your full-time gig. What was that mm-hmm. like for you? What what were some of the thoughts going through your head? What were some of the you know challenges you had to overcome to do that? Just share a little bit of that yeah. if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, it was terrifying. And I remember being really worried that it wasn't going to succeed. So ever since I was a, a little kid, when somebody asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, my response was always successful. And so, <laughs> that's that, so it, yeah, that's great. It carried a lot of weight for me to, you know, lean into that fear and, you know, overcome that to make 29 design studio happen. And so, um, I spent a lot of time talking to people and, and to this day still will reach out, you know, sometimes with a referral or sometimes even blindly to, um, folks who are in a position that they've, you know, they've learned something or, you know, can help me through a particular challenge. But that initial leap, I did a lot of that. And so I remember when you and I talked at that point, when I was getting ready to start, you know, you asked some really helpful questions like, well, where are your customers going to come from? And some of that was, oh, shit, where are my customers going to come from? (laughs) (laughs) You know, so um, I spent I spent a lot of time learning and asking questions and um, finally got to a point where I decided I it was now or never, that the fear was never really going to go away and I had to just do it or was I was never going to do it. Hmm. Now, did you, you know, some people say, well, I need to have, you know, six months income in the bank or like they try to get certain things set up so that when you make the jump, it's as uh, cushioned as possible or as mm-hmm. safe as possible. Are you that kind of person or did you just get to a certain point where you're like, I'm just going to pull the ripcord here and see what happens? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a little bit of both. So I had my son who is now four and then 18 months later, my daughter was born okay. who will be three this month um, and just decided that that maternity leave was a jumping off point that um I wasn't going to get again because we knew we weren't going to have any more kids. So I I wanted to use that launch pad. And so my we certainly didn't have any extra money in the bank with an infant and a toddler at home and daycare expenses and diapers and all of that is, you know, uh, a lot yeah. financially. Yeah. So I actually got a part-time job on payroll after I left my full-time job. So Mm -hmm. that was my sort of cushion to, you know, be sure that I was going to have no matter what some income coming in because I was on a part-time payroll job. See, that's what I love about that. And and I don't necessarily mean that I love it, meaning everyone should take this approach. What I love about that is you created a strategy. I I Mm -hmm. tend to be a let's jump. You know, I just, I don't know what it, I I think I like pain. I like to hit the ground hard (laughs) and then ask myself why. But I I love the idea of having a bit of a strategy. It's so smart to say, okay, you know, I think some people are like, it's either on or off. I want to quit my job. I want to be my own boss. And they fail to see the opportunity to say, well, what if I had a part-time job that kind of Mm -hmm. floated me until I could build this thing up? So that's, that's great. What, what, yeah. What, what, um, I want to back up. I want to ask you a question, but let me back up. I'm just curious. It will play a little Dr. Phil here. Uh, <laughs> what, 
do you think drove that response when people said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Why do you, what, what's in you that made you say successful? That's a, that is a Dr. Phil yeah, question. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. And I'm just, and I'm not fishing for anything. I'm just curious, like, is it more like, hey, I, like for me, I grew up in a family that struggled financially, you know, and so I was always looking for, uh, I didn't want to go through that again. I know you grew up, I think, in a, in a, on a farm, I think. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Yep. I grew up on a dairy farm. Not that yeah. that has to be a reason, but I'm just curious, like, what drove that answer? Because that's a, I, you'd never hear kids say that. They usually say, I want to be a yeah. football player. I want to be an Instagram model. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure where that came from. I mean, I think I knew I wanted to be an artist and I knew I had an interest in business in a general sense. And you know, I'm not talking about like when I was a 4-year-old, I have no idea how I, you know, would <laughs> right. have answered that question then, but you know, I distinctly remember being in like middle school and you're taking assessment tests and you know, all of that stuff for like where they're going to place you and that I always had distinct interest in art and business and never really knew how those things could come together. And really until, yeah, I'm still figuring it out, you know, um, where the intersection of that is. And so I knew that I just wanted to, you know, do good things and have fun doing it. And in my mind, that was the epitome of that was success. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And I, as you're talking about that, I, I think about some of the folks that I've engaged. You know, when I used to run the design studio and you're running a, a design agency, a branding agency, I, I, you know, I would get people that would come to me that were true artists and, and you know, and, and they would not understand that this is called commercial art, or at least it, mm-hmm. it used to be called commercial art back in the day. And there's a reason for that. I mean, this was, I mean, it's blending business and, and art and, uh, and those mm-hmm. can blend quite nicely but at times it's like oil and water for some folks. Mm-hmm. So when you yeah. when you got started and you made that transition, what mm-hmm. at the early stages of the business, not so much the starting process, but now you're up and running, mm-hmm. you're 29 design full-time. What back then was your biggest challenge? What kind of kept you up at night? What what sucked up a lot of your focus and resources? Yeah, actually I was just talking to a friend about this last night who was considering starting her own consulting business. And, you know, she's asking, well, how do I, how do I start? You know? And so I remember at that time I was struggling with things like, how do I present myself and how do I talk about my work and what I want to do? So when I first started at that stage, I was, I just wanted to do design for anyone and I'll do anything. And it didn't take long for me to realize- Right. Exactly. Like, I just want to be creative. That's all, you know? Um, but the more, the, the more broad I was, the more difficult it was for people to understand what I did well and what to hire me for. Uh, So I, um, I took a Seth Godin who I, I love, I know you love him as well. Yeah, I just um, uh, just finished that book a few months ago. What is mm-hmm. or this is marketing, I believe. This is marketing. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was a great one. I've been giving and it that, as gifts, by the way. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have the audiobook, and then I bought the printed version too, so that I could like mark it up, sure. you know, fold pages, make notes. But so that book, a lot of the content of that, the contexts of it, came from his coursework, the marketing seminar, and I was in the uh-huh. first coursework session of the marketing seminar 
that he put on. And so that being in the initial stage of what do I want to do and how do I want to talk about it? You know, I knew that was art and business and success, but I didn't know the nuts and bolts of how to talk about that and make that happen. So going through that marketing seminar where essentially Seth prompts, you know, video content where he gives you kind of homework on a daily basis Mm -hmm. for that's dripped out over a hundred days where you're constantly working on honing your message and asking yourself the hard questions of where do I fall on an axis, you know, of value and what's your sweet spot and how are you different than anybody else going through that really helped me figure that out. Um, and so now we're at a point we started with, you know, 29 design studio was a graphic design agency and we'll do annual reports and business cards and brochures to now we're at a point where we're primarily a brand management agency where we take design strategy and marketing and apply those to help businesses level themselves up. Mm. And so I love that because that takes my design expertise as well as, you know, giving it gas, right. With the strategy of what makes sense to do here as well as the marketing in terms of, you know, how does it apply to your customer and all of that stuff, as well as the design execution to give it legs to run, you know? I like that too, because what you're doing, I can't tell you, I mean, how many, I don't think either of us could answer, how many graphic designers are there out there for Mm -hmm. a client to choose? It's just, it's mind boggling. And Mm -hmm. all shapes, stripes, I mean, you know, 50 people, uh, design firms and someone working out of their basement and everything in between. What you do when you hone in like that is you differentiate. I mean, it it sets you apart on one hand. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, it sounds like you've moved from more of a tactical offering. Hey, I can do a a brochure. Exactly. Into more of a strategic offering, which is a higher value. And um, maybe fewer people, you know, lots of people want business cards, but Mm -hmm. but they're commoditized. You can't make a Mm -hmm. living doing business cards. Well, maybe you can, Mm -hmm. but... uh, And that's a race to the bottom. And that's something that I learned in Seth Godin's uh, course as well was you, you can't race to the bottom or at least if you, if you want to be a value-based business in a sense that you sell a lot of something that's really easy to crank out, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's one position that you can take. And I didn't want that. I didn't want to just churn out business card designs, you know, for, for somebody, you know, I really wanted to do the hard stuff and think through things and, you know, and do that higher value stuff that was more exciting to me. And so it just made sense for us to land here, but it took a lot of reflection and thinking and big picture thought about, does this customer exist and how do I talk to them and how do I present myself so that they know they can trust me. Mm. You know, some of those things too, that come into that positioning. So it, when you say race to the bottom, you're, I, I, what I think of, and I just want to clarify for listeners, are you referring mm-hmm. to the fact that like the rates to do that kind of lower level work just keeps mm-hmm. getting downward pressure? Meaning yep. someone used to be willing to pay 20 bucks an hour. Now they're willing to pay, they'll pay five bucks an hour and Fiverr. Uh, for the same yep. thing. And so you're left exactly. kind of, okay, just want to make sure I clarified for folks listening. Mm-hmm. What um, yeah. Now, you started the agency, you went through this kind of part-time, got it up going full-time. How Was that three years ago? Two, I mean, it hasn't been that long. 
Yeah. So I started the business in 2007. At, that's when the side hustle started. And in 2016, when my daughter was born, so three years ago was when yeah. I took the leap. And the leap, interesting. So the reason I'm calling this out is so the leap included a part-time gig for a while. Yes, so here for you are, about six or eight months. So almost, yeah, half a year or just a little more. Mm-hmm. So here you are now, three years later, you have multiple mm-hmm. employees, you're full-time, mm-hmm. you've got a nice stable of clients. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's a quick ramp up to success. I think you can at least at least say you've you've fulfilled your childhood dream of being successful. <laughs> now I know success once you hit one level plateau, you want to get to the next one. So clearly you're right. Growing. I was just gonna say that that target is always changing. It's elusive. It's it's a tough mm-hmm. master. I mean, at least if someone <laughs> says as a kid, I want to be a fireman. Right. <laughs> you know, when they grow up and become a fireman, it's like, hey, I did it. And they can do that at 23. But uh, when you say successful, that they keep moving the carrot. But uh, yeah, right, right. And that's, it's interesting, too, because that's kind of true for my clients, too, where you're never done, you know, so and that's what I love, too, about the position and the relationship that we typically have with our clients is there's always more to do. So, you know, it's not just how do we make this brand look, feel and sound, but it's how do we, uh, then the question is, how do we apply that to multiple channels? And then, you know, how do we optimize that? How do we analyze what's going on and improve that for the future? And so it's kind of always compounding and getting bigger. And so it, you know, in the same way that my target's always moving, so is theirs. So when you when you talk about starting the business, the evolution to where it is now, the evolution of the work that you're doing, and I alluded to the fact that you now have a team, you have employees working for you, mm-hmm. and that's growing. You're adding people as we speak. Um, mm-hmm. What's changed for you as an entrepreneur? I can see what's changed in the business. You know, you're doing more strategic work. The business itself looks different. But what's changed for you as an entrepreneur? And, wh- and where I'm going with that is, you know, when it's just you trying to make sure you're getting enough money to cover, like you were saying, things like the diapers and, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the, the family needs, you know, now your responsibilities are so different, both on a client level and employer level. So what's changed for you as an entrepreneur now compared to when mm-hmm. you started? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say that what, what our focus has been over the last couple of months is really in that kind of optimization stage. So how can we be smarter about the way that we're invoicing? And how can I spend less time on, you know, various administrative tasks? And so it's kind of always thinking about how can we improve things that we're already doing and strategizing the 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 way that that 29 Design Studio approaches client relationships. You know, do we structure retainers differently, you know, constantly thinking about that big picture stuff. And so one of the hardest things that has, that I've found that it's that's happened as the company has continued to grow is it may, you know, I'd be interested to hear if the same is true for you, but I'm from when you were running Bob Wright and even in your position now, but I feel like I'm never not working. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, it's really hard to like turn your brain off and relax and, you know, think about anything that's not, you know, related to the business and a client challenge or, you know, is this new client going to close or, you know, whatever it is. But that's definitely been a challenge as, as we've continued to grow is how do I make sure that I'm creating time for 
self-care and, you know, not working 80 hours a week and, you know, that kind of thing. My guest today is Maureen Balatori. She's the owner, founder of 29design Studio. You can check out their website at 29designstudio.com or check out their Facebook page. Uh, there's a lot going on there, facebook.com forward slash 29design studio. And we'll be right back after this brief message. But when we do, we're going to pick up this conversation and I, and I want to engage this question that Maureen's asked. Guys, thanks for joining me for this episode of The Currency. There's more to come in the second half, so stick around. But before we get to that, I want to quickly invite you to join my free email newsletter. If you like topics like brand strategy, marketing strategy, business strategy, entrepreneurship, if those kinds of things float your boat like they do mine, then I would encourage you to sign up. You see, I write articles, I create videos, and I produce podcast episodes like this. And maybe once, twice a month, I send out an email to my subscribers to let them know about the new content that I've created. And I typically include a bit of a note, some insight or some direction in that email as well. So if you're into that kind of thing, take a moment. Just go to my website. It's mikegaston.com. That's M-I-K-E-G-A-S-T-I-N.com. You'll see a block right on the homepage where you can sign up. Just give me your first name, your email address. I will never spam you. I'll always protect your information. But I'd love to add you to my subscriber list. I'd love to keep you updated on this great content that I work so hard to produce and put out there for you to use. So take a moment, sign up. I look forward to including you in the next email that goes out. Now let's get back into today's interview. And we're back with Maureen Balatori on The Currency. Maureen is the founder of 29design Studio, and we're talking about her entrepreneurial journey. Now, Maureen, when we stepped away, uh, you were just sharing your biggest challenge now, and that is that, that time. There's just so much time taken up. And how do, you, um, how do you find time for yourself? How do you find time? Because like, you're just never not working. Mm-hmm. So, and you had asked me like what my experience was. What before I jump into that, like what have you been doing to try to figure that out? And I'll, I'll share some of mine as well. But what have you been doing to try yeah. to solve that? Yeah. So one of the things that um, some a friend of mine told me once is it's really important to know how you empty your stress cup. So, you know, you can always, (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) Cause especially when you think of it that way that, you know, you're constantly adding to this cup of stress that's getting full. And if you don't take care of it, it will overflow, you know, and I've been there. (laughs) So you can empty the stress stress cup by filling the bourbon cup or I'm not sure how this works. (laughs) That's a great insight though. Yeah. You have to be Mm -hmm. self-aware. Like how do I deal with stress? How do I get refreshed? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for me, I mean, that's, I, my best method is to take a spa afternoon. So sometimes that's just, you know, four or five hours, but, um, I have a strict no phone policy in the sanctuary room of Del Monte Spa Okay, where, you know, I can just go in there and read a magazine or just sit with my eyes closed and, you know, I'll get a massage and then I'll go sit for a while longer. But even just that time to let my mind kind of be free is something that I have to be really intentional about scheduling. And that seems counterintuitive to schedule 
time for yourself to just think and, you know, let your mind go. But, um, I feel like I'm always double multitasking. You know, when I'm driving, I'm streaming audiobooks. When I'm watching TV, I'm flipping through emails. When I'm working, I'm checking my phone for new emails that are coming in. And so it feels like it's all very fast paced. Yeah. And so that is, is the way that I take time for myself to kind of reset. And I always feel very refreshed after that. No, it's important. I, I think too, I, I don't know for you, but for me, when I was earlier as an entrepreneur, I, I felt like I didn't have permission. It's almost like you have to give yourself mm-hmm. permission to take a break, give yourself permission. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, maybe I was comfortable as an owner, like, you know, I might take a longer lunch break. I'm not going to worry about punching in. That, that, came, mm-hmm. that came natural. I don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. But you know, being able to say like, I need a vacation or I need to get away from yeah. the business or like you're saying, like take an afternoon where you're not being productive, quote unquote, and, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, pamper yourself. I mean, I, I, my mind didn't go to pampering, but it was like, I just didn't feel free to do that. And what ends up happening, at least for me, was I get burned out and then I get so yeah. crispy that I wasn't good to anybody. Like the employees are looking mm-hmm. at me like, what's his problem? The family's like, <laughs> oh, stay away from dad. You know, he's miserable. Yeah. But a lot of it was in my own head. Like I had the ability mm-hmm. to take a break. Like I could have just said, hey, let me take a few hours and go have a good time, do something. Mm-hmm. But um, did you struggle with that at all? Or were you okay giving yourself permission from the beginning? Oh, no, I I always struggle with that. And especially with young kids, you know. And Oh, yeah, you're always, it, it just, always on. Yeah, it just adds that extra layer, too, of people who need you, you know. Yeah. So you have to, for me scheduling it, you know, really helps. And and like I said, that seems odd to schedule time for yourself, but it's, that's the only method that works for me. Because if I tell myself, all right, I'm going to try, you know, headspace meditation platform, um, you know, and I'm going to do that while, while I'm driving or for the first 20 minutes when I get to work or something. And then, you know, or I'd signed up for a yoga class. I was doing a yoga class Thursday mornings for a while, but it was during the workday. And then it didn't take long before, you know, I was, I was prioritizing the work that had to get done as opposed to going to the yoga class. And then before you know it, you know, your, your, your whole priority is shifted. So uh, for me, scheduling it has really made all the difference. And but I, I still do struggle to even do that. Yeah. Yeah. This, you know, the second thing for me is, so there's the short term, how do I empty the stress cup? I love that phrase. It's a mm-hmm. great cra- phrase. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but the other kind of, you know, for me, there's like, if you peel the onion, there's something behind that. Like, okay, I've got stress. Well, can I, is there a way to avoid the stress to begin with? And I, I, right. I found for me, like the business, I felt like the business owned me and I didn't own the business at a certain point. Like it just, and I think that, you know, it didn't have the freedom. And, and what I discovered was a lot of it was, it was my own fault, but it was a lack of process and systems. You know, a, a small business kind of evolves and you're chief cook and bottle washer. That was one of my grandfather's phrases, you know, <laughs> I'm chief cook and bottle washer. You're doing everything. And then as you bring staff on, it's kind of like a family business. Everybody's doing everything. You get to a certain size and it's like, okay, that doesn't work anymore. And mm-hmm. my nature, I didn't, 
I don't like processing systems. I like to be free. I want to go out there and mm. win accounts. I, I want to do big stuff, but I don't want to worry about management. I like leadership mm-hmm. and not management. And that yeah. was an Achilles heel for me because I didn't spend enough time. Or, or when I did, it was a little late. Like I could have saved myself. I may still have hair, I guess I could say, <laughs> uh, if I would learned to implement process and systems, especially like financial, project management, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because then I'm working on the business and I'm building structures and systems that sure. relieve me to do what I do well. So have you have you been looking at that as well or is that is that uh, already come natural to you? So the the systems stuff is more of a strong suit for me where I am challenged is you know it is tough to kind of take a step back and look at the big picture stuff you know so should I not just can I you know when it comes uh, yeah, to yeah the growth of the business and, you know, some of that stuff, like, should I take on this new client or, you know, should I be processing my own payroll? You know, what makes sense in that regard? And so that's kind of where we are now. And, you know, I mentioned optimization before that we're kind of in a, in a phase of the business where, you know, we're, we're optimizing what's working and kind of outsourcing some of the stuff that doesn't make sense for me to continue to, spend my time doing. Sure. And the the challenge with that that I have greatly is I am very much a control freak. <laughs> and um, I want to be certain that everything is perfect. <laughs> and, um, you know, you have to leave room for people for trial and error and for, you know, people to try and succeed and nobody likes to be micromanaged. And so how do you, so the, my challenge at the moment is how do I take my desire for perfection and, you know, reel that in a little bit and, you know, kind of shift it to empowering people to be successful and, you know, and truly believe that, that that's going to happen. And that, you know, one of the things that, you and I talked about that you helped me discover too, when we were talking last fall about, I had an opportunity to respond to a big RFP and I was trying to decide whether or not that made sense for us to do. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I said, well, I just don't know if I want to do it. And you said, well, what's holding you back from that? And I said, well, I'd have to bring on extra people. Well, what's the problem there? Well, if I bring on extra people, then something could go wrong because I can't manage all of those people and continue to grow the business and do my own work. And so you said, well, has that ever happened before? And what would be the worst case if something did go wrong? You know, I have every belief that you'd be able to fix it. And so some of that stuff too, and asking, you know, either having people that I can go to that will ask me the hard questions and recognizing that I need to ask myself the hard questions too about what is the right path for now, not only me, but for my employees and my family, you know, all of that together in terms of what's, what's the best way for all this to grow. So just out of curiosity, where did you end up with that proposal process after you and I talked? So I did decide to submit the proposal and we were, so they had received seven. We were one of three who was brought back to the table to 
um, interview for it in person, but ultimately we didn't get the work. But what it did show me was it kind of bubbled some of those fears to the surface, you know, and so now, regardless of not getting that work, we are still hiring the next position. And um, I have more confidence in that, that even though I'm not going to be able to, to manage, you know, all aspects of what everyone's doing, that you know, we're still going to be okay. And if something goes wrong, then you fix it and, you know, you move on and we're all humans and you can't have perfection all the time. Yeah. So that's a, um, it's a great lesson. I had to learn that the yeah. hard way, um, not so much around perfection, but back during the economic crisis, mm-hmm. you know, things are looking really grim. We went from well over a million dollars a year in revenue to about $400,000 in mm-hmm. revenue, like overnight, like it just, the, yeah. you know, I'm talking about uh, pace. If you were to extrapolate out, we were just barely making enough. Uh, mm-hmm. I was falling behind with getting into debt. I was using my line of credit to make payroll because yeah. I didn't want to let go of these people that I loved and, and had worked so mm-hmm. hard for me. And so I'm sitting there just terrified and frozen, really. Like if, if mm-hmm. I were to say like, a, I, I was literally gripping white knuckle, I didn't know mm-hmm. what to do. And I remember sitting in my home, uh, my living room one day on a weekend and it just, like, I had this epiphany. It's like, what's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. Like, this whole economic, what's the worst? And I said to myself, well, we'd lose the house. Maybe I'd have to move my family into my mother's basement, but my wife would still mm-hmm. love me. My kids, like, my, fa- my wife and kids would stay with me. And then there was something mm-hmm. about that that just freed me up. It's like, well, okay, if that's the worst that could happen. Oh, and I think my reputation. That is like, everyone will think I'm a failure. I'll lose everything, but my wife and kids will stay with me. And just mm-hmm. knowing that freed me up. It's like, oh, well, I can survive that. If Lydia and the kids are with me, then I can do anything. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, I was actually free to, like, I actually started being proactive. And we navigated. And the, and the team really helped me through this. I didn't just single-handedly. But the company mm-hmm. and I navigated through a brutal time and, and grew the company back up over a million and healthy and paid down yeah. the debt. And it was just to the point where I was able to take a six-week vacation a couple years later to Africa with my wife and visit family. And it was just mm-hmm. amazing. So I bring that up to say fear can really be, uh, it, it robs us, it, it cripples us. Yeah. And it's it's uh, great to just think about what's the worst. Because when you realize the worst really isn't that bad, mm-hmm. you know, relatively. I mean, today, if you said I had to move in with my mom and you know, but like in the midst of the crisis, you go, I could serve. That'd be, that'd be all right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. There's this book that Brene Brown wrote oh, called sure. Big Magic. Have you read no, that? No, I've watched her TED talk. I love her. She's uh, mm-hmm. talks about vulnerability, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And she's, she's just great. So this book, Big Magic, highly recommend, super easy read. Um, and she, she talks about fear and inspiration and, um, there's some great analogies in there about inspiration, but one that comes to mind for when she references fear is she says that fear can come along for the ride, but it can't drive the car. Ah, Yeah. Good quote. And so I love that thought and I'm sure I butchered it. She said it much more eloquently, I'm sure. But, um, you know, that concept of what thinking, and it's the same thing as what's the worst that can happen and really thinking about that, you know, in the sense of truly what is the worst that's going to happen here and being honest with yourself about those things and, you know, deciding if fear is going to come along for the ride, then so be it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just part of, it's yeah. part of life. Fear. Mm-hmm. You, you can't live a life without experiencing fear. 
mm-hmm. but we can strive to not be controlled by it. Yeah. Right. Maureen, you were a kid saying you wanted to be successful. You have uh, had a successful college career, a successful professional career. Now you're an entrepreneur with a thriving design and uh, brand strategy business. You have employees, you're a wife, you're a mother. Like you really have it all. You have the dream. So as a kid, if you're saying, well, gee, I was kind of motivated by being successful, what gets you out of bed in the morning now? Is it still the same thing or have you changed over time? I mean, now certainly what gets me out of bed every day is I love, love, love what I do. And I've never had that before. And um, the cool thing is that because, you know, I mentioned I'm a bit of a control freak. So I love the, the concept that it really is all in my control. And so if we're doing work that we're not enjoying, if we're working with people that we're not enjoying, you know, I get to decide if that continues or doesn't. And so, you know, you helped me through something a couple of months ago with a, a client that just the relationship was not as, is not, was not what it used to be. And so we made the incredibly difficult decision to go our separate ways there. And, um, that was driven by, I wasn't, I wasn't enjoying it and I didn't see us getting past that challenge to a point where we were going to enjoy doing the work. It was a lot of stress on the entire, not just me, but the entire team. It was a lot of last minute turnarounds and stuff. And fit. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, moving on from that felt great. Uh, after it happened, you know, after it, we were through it, it was incredibly stressful leading up to that, making the yeah. decision, you know, having the conversation, you know, that kind of thing. And I felt great for a couple days. And then the panic set in of, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, I have to replace right, this revenue. Right. <laughs> with, with great freedom comes great responsibility, I guess, yes. or great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> so yeah, you've got the freedom to make that call. Whereas someone mm-hmm. working, you got a terrible boss or, you know, coworker, mm-hmm. you're kind of stuck until you go find another job, but you kind of mm-hmm. just have to grit your teeth and get it, get over it. In your situation, entrepreneur situation, you can make that decision, but you know there's another there's another side to that. So mm-hmm. I cut you off. I keep going. So what happened once the panic hit? It all it all worked out. <laughs> so we you know reached out to some of our clients that we really liked working with, and um, and just said, hey, we've got some additional bandwidth. If there's some extra stuff that you know you'd like to do you know, we'd love to expand our relationship. And so some clients took us up on that. And then, you know, also some new opportunities kind of shook out. And so, you know, it's all, it's all found a way to reset itself. That's fantastic. Well, you, you put in the effort and um, it's amazing uh, how lucky you are when you're working hard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because because often you know you're busy working hard and you can't necessarily say i strung these three things together and i controlled the outcome absolutely but i'm out there working hard and also this other thing kind of comes out of left field but there's just something about applying yourself having agency Mm -hmm. and 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 will and applying your agency and will to the situation at hand that seems to shake things loose Mm -hmm. yeah and like i don't think of you know when people people ask you know where do your new client leads come from and you know where do you find new clients is anytime i'm meeting with a startup business that's always one of the first questions is where does your work come from you know and 
my gut reaction answer is, well, it's all word of mouth referrals. And you know, we don't do any advertising and all that stuff. But really, it's I hustle all the time. You know, I have lunches with new people two at least two days a week, wow. you know, yeah. um, and, you know, or I'm how reaching out to this person, we have coffee or something, you know, even if it's just, I like to follow what's interesting either to me or, you know, something that seems like it might be of interest to them that I can help somebody with. But so I always try and put those two lenses of how can I help and, and what's interesting kind of layered on top of each other and use that as my business development strategy. But it feels a lot more organic to me because I just want to talk to people and, you know, which I think has always been true going back to the first time that you rejected me on LinkedIn until we could have coffee. <laughs> hey, if, it, if it makes you feel any better, I did the same thing to Arunis, uh, the owner and founder of Paytech. So, uh, he reached out way back when and said, I want to connect. And I'm like, I don't meet anybody. And so we had coffee too, which I, mm-hmm. I, I'm a chump. Like I'm this little tiny businessman. He's this, you know, multi, multi-millionaire, uh, but he took it in good stride. So uh, I, I've repented of my ways. Please forgive me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but that trait true. was I there. Mean, you had that trait from the beginning. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it, it's also shown me that so much of business is tied to relationships, you know, and being a good person and connecting with people who you align with or who align with, with you and your kind of, you know, objectives and stuff is, you know, only going to lead to great things. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Maureen, this is fantastic. I'm, I'm so happy for you for your success, but I have to say I'm not surprised. And uh, no, thank you. I, I would encourage folks, please take a moment, check out Maureen's work. If you want to see what they do over at 29, you just go to 29designstudio.com, take a look at their work, and you can get in touch with Maureen on the site, or you can find her on Twitter. She's at uh, 29designstudio underscore, but ideally go to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash 29designstudio. Maureen, as a closing thought, If you were to give, um, and I know you do this from time to time, if you were to give a piece of advice to someone that wants to start a business, they're they're kind of you 10 years ago. They're looking, saying, I want to be in business Mm -hmm. for myself. Uh, They're ready to kind of take the jump, but they don't know what to do. What advice, what one thing do you think that they should focus on? I would say, you know, getting themselves in front of and surrounding themselves with people who they can learn from has been the single greatest driver of our success. Mm. You know, so how can, you know, how can you use your curiosity and, you know, meet with people to help you? I mean, really people have an innate desire to help. And if they don't, you know, do you really want to be associated with them in the first place? You know, (laughs) but, um, and so, you know, reach out finding and mentors. ask people to yeah. connect and finding mentors. Exactly. Yeah. And, the, and one more thing about that too is do it in the right way and research how is the right way to connect with somebody because I get, you know, I'll get an email or a message or something from somebody who says they want to just get together and pick my brain. And that's difficult because what does that mean? Right. I don't know what you want from me, you know, be clear about your intention up mm. front, you know, I want to start a branding agency and I admire your work. Could we get together for 30 minutes for coffee or a 15 minute phone call? I'd appreciate your direction on this. You know, if you're clear about your ask, 
it's just going to help everybody be sure that they're on the same page. That, that was going to be my follow-up question, which can you could you kind of unpack that? And you, you did that exactly without me asking. That's that's so important. <laughs> I think what you just shared yeah. because your first statement is most people want to help, but I, mm-hmm. I do agree when you kind of leave it this kind of undefined, fuzzy, open-ended. People want to help, but they don't want to get sucked in right. beyond what they're willing or able to do. So I think you're absolutely right that the more you can define it for the person, here's what I'm looking for, the easier it is for them to say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. excellent advice. Really, business is about people. You know, we think of businesses about finance and marketing and manufacturing and all these mm-hmm. you know, operations. But at the end of the day, uh, a company is a company. It's a group of people that have come together exactly. to accomplish something yeah. that one person couldn't do on their own. And uh, right. so it's about relationships. Maureen, Thank you so much. Maureen Balatori, folks, uh, the founder and owner of 29 Design Studio. As I've said a number of times, check out their website, 29designstudio.com. And that's a 29, the number 29designstudio.com. Maureen, thank you so much for being a guest today on The Currency. Thank you, Mike. You've been listening to The Currency, a podcast about entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Mike Gaston, and I'm glad that you've spent some time with us. Hopefully you found Maureen's story to be encouraging, inspiring, insightful. I know I was really enjoying the conversation. Now, if you haven't already, take a moment to subscribe. I put out an episode every week where I talk to someone fascinating just like Maureen. You can find the podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, anywhere that fine podcasts are provided. Guys, if you'd like to connect with me, then you can find me very easily. Just look for me on Uh, LinkedIn or Twitter. Just look for Mike Gaston. You can hit my website, MikeGaston.com. There's a contact form there and you can also sign up for my free newsletter. Guys, I love you so much. Have a great day and we'll talk to you in the next episode.